This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're coming to you virtually today because we've virtually, well, virtually done our heads in after having <laughs> such a brilliant Saturday. Oh, it was so ecstatic we were after Saturday, and then we came to a Tuesday where we were down in the dumps, and so, like I said to you, virtually we've done our heads in. We thought, tell you what, instead of going out to the pub, we're going to sit in our virtual bar and we're going to drink ourselves silly. I'm sitting here with my chums, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sort of me down in the dumps, but I'm alright, you know, a bit disappointed. Last night we played Sheffield United, we had a brilliant opportunity of getting three points there, but we bluffed it. However, I'm going to hark back as well, Saturday, because we got three points up at Middlesbrough, and that was absolutely fantastic. So, it was one game which was rubbish, and one game that was brilliant, and we're going to talk about them too. Me with my virtual chums here, sitting around here at this table. I've got to the left of me, the Gary Paul. Gaz, how are you doing? Good day. So, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. That's obviously, like you, Bill, a bit down in the dumps after watching that game. Kind of taking me down from um, the high I had on Saturday evening. That's right. You know, don't need to go totally into you know your private life and anything like that we can talk about that maybe off microphone as well in the middle here i've got mr laney lane laney lane how are you doing oh hello mate my turn um yeah i'm good i'm good yeah i i, I agree with you highs and lows peaks and troughs yin and yang etc but yeah okay but we we, we we tried to move on you can see we're trying to pick ourselves up here like, you know it's just like we've been dropped to the floor like you know in some sort of wwf competition tell you something as well though we've got a man it's who's got world wildlife what's that the world wildlife fund what that's right that's right yeah we've been going bird watching the last i'll tell you something i might go bird watching this weekend if we if we keep on we've been shooting like we were doing last yeah, night keep your private life out of this <laughs> That's right. Now we've got the XG man, the XG Dave in the house. He's got all the stats and the figures and everything else that's going to tell us that we should have beaten Sheffield United about 75-0 yesterday. Is that right, XG Dave? <laughs> that's true. Probably about 85-0. But yeah, hi Billy. Nice to see you. Glass of, uh, 
glass of vino here. Not quite drowning the sorrows, but not far off. Not no, far off. No, no, it's not. <laughs> this is... Can I interject? I think um, actually Dave needs, uh, needs his own little twang when he's introduced. <laughs> we need to come up. Well, I'm going to do that. Next week, XG Dave's going to have his own little intro bit of music, jingle. Oh, great. Can it be a ball hitting the back of the net or something like that? No. no. It's going to be Numbers by Craftwork. So, yeah, but anyway, okay. listen, listen, we've had a we've had an upside down, topsy-turvy, really good, really average week this week. Um, we had the Borough game on Saturday, which was a really good trip, really good little weekend. A load of us went up there for the weekend, had a very, very good time. Uh, we talked about it somewhat on the Love Sport Radio show on Monday night. If you listen to that, nine o'clock on Love Sport Radio. We didn't quite manage to talk about as much as we'd like to because, well, we were cut off, basically, and we ended up having to talk about something else. So we thought we were going to talk about Borough now, and we thought it's also a good opportunity for us to actually kind of revel in the happiness of this week because we didn't have enough reveling um, on the radio show on Monday. So if you listen to that, we talked a little bit about a few things, but we still felt there's quite a lot of points missed out. So we'll talk about those today as well. And then we're going to look back at the match yesterday which was against Sheffield United, or by the time you listen to this, it could be two days or three days ago. Sheffield United, where we went up to Sheffield United, like I said, we had a great opportunity when they had a man sent off, Gary Medine. Um, He got sent off, 10 men, and we had a great opportunity of getting three points up at Sheffield. We didn't quite take the ball by the horn, so we'll be talking about that as well. But tell you what we're going to do, we normally have two sets of fans when we have a midweek game that we can listen back to, but today we're just actually going to listen back to the one set of fans, the one set of fans that gave us so much joy and happiness to show exactly where we can be and how we can be. We're going to go back to Borough on Saturday and listen to what the fans had to say when we had that tremendous result at Borough on Saturday. And it's absolute mayhem, carnage here. Everyone's going absolutely mental. We're at Middlesbrough here, Dale. And the final whistle has just gone, and we have beaten Middlesbrough for the first time here since 1938. We never win here. We never beat Borough. They beat us every time. But this time, Brentford not only beat them, but we came from behind. Today we have won, and we are very, 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 very happy. I can't believe we've won at Borough. Absolutely deserved bloody brilliant so happy gonna have a bloody right old laugh so happy one nil up they decide to take a samba longer off and bring george friend on you can sense the crowd we were getting on top of the game they were getting nervous and the next goal was crucial and it proved to be oh so good i've been in so many times i've seen us get spanked i've seen us get loose so badly here and this means a world today i've been waiting so long i've been persistent i've come and i've come and i've come and this just means the world. We're going to speak to our brother chums, our chums, our buddies, our friends. Um, and uh, they're, apparently they're lining up the birdie song for us because we said that if Brentford win today, we're going to have to do the birdie song in the 12-man bar today. So we're getting them for that. Listen, what a great result, eh? Hey, what a day, Billy. What a day. Fantastic. I mean, we've been, we've been waiting all season for this kind of result. Been away from home, playing well, but not getting the results. But today, it all came together. Yeah, we had a nine-year-old in goal for most of the second half. He did all right, considering he'd been playing with his two play this morning. But yeah, 
Fantastic. I mean, it couldn't really have gone better, could it? Yeah, very good game. Fantastic game. I mean, the setup of the second goal from Sawyers was just just beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. We've got the Borough man in the house here. And listen, commiserations to you. We love coming up here every time you always beat us. But it's, it's changed this time, hasn't it? It is. It's under Paul, it's just, this is the way he, he plays his system. You know, how can you take a centre forward off? You know, you win a 1-0. He pulled all these players back over the halfway line to, def- you, to defend. You can hear the crowd in the end for his name, and he's gone off. You know what I mean? But that's what that's that's we play as Pulis. So you think that basically what, you lost it, your manager lost the game today, was it? Manager always loses the game, yeah. At home. That's why we can't win games at home. I just hope we don't go to playoffs because we're not good enough. I am not going to make, I'm not even going to hide this one. You can see a big smile on my face for the first time in playing you. This is the ninth or tenth time we've played you, and for the first time. We've actually won a game, and we deserved it, didn't we? Well, I've got to say you did, yeah. yeah. Um, we had the game 1-0, and um, but you were putting us under pressure. Pulis made a change. I thought he chose the wrong change to make. He shouldn't have brought a Samba longer off. But I can understand why he tried to stop you from scoring, but he just made the wrong choice. He should have took either wing or Besichov. Wing was a bit struggling a little. Um, I was really, really disappointed with how uh, how we performed second half. But take it now away from Brentford. You look a good team. And I know your away form's been poor recently, but fully deserved tonight, today. Fully deserved. But I think we're a Jekyll and Hyde team. Away from home, we're a great side. But at home, we haven't been doing it for me. And that, that's that's our big problem at home. But I've got to say we were beaten by the better team. We made a really good start to the to the match, one 0 up, and, and, and that was the best period for us. And we were it looked it looked as if it was going to be another Borough victory at that point. Um, and your, your your keeper wasn't handling the ball very well early on, to say the least. But then the second half, you were you really started really well, and we're pulling us apart, and we had to make quite big tactical adjustments we've been playing without fullbacks really for for a few weeks and we had to bring George Friend on obviously it was unpopular taking a Samba Longo off but I thought for me you were pulling us apart already and that was the point we were we were about to concede I thought and then you just stung us with, with two goals of Shotton's own goal and then to concede so soon afterwards so this is a really big blow for us we've been here so many times now and we always come away feeling like we were either well beaten or plucky underdogs that have been like we, we've not got what we fully deserved today we, we did get what we deserved you know that was a brilliant own goal that we forced you know yeah they say it's an own goal there were people queuing up to knock that one in the, the approach prey was excellent all afternoon the second goal is a thing of beauty We've been lucky. We've seen some amazing goals recently. We've seen these like intricate slide rule precision passes, cut defences apart. And Ben Ramos in the form of his life, and he smashed it home. And when the seven minutes went up, I thought, oh, here we go. The Chinese betting syndicate conspiracy is happening again. How do they get seven minutes? But we got. Middlesbrough fans coming up to us saying you're lucky you're watching this every week and we are and we are six points away from the playoffs it's probably still a bit too far away but we'll see it sets the rest of the season up brilliantly and I now I am going to Sheffield United on Tuesday come on you B so Saturday Borough 
fantastic, great result. Everyone was raving about us. Everyone started to tick Brentford as being maybe outsiders for the playoffs because we got such a great result up there. You know, fans, only a couple of hundred of us, maybe 200, 220, 230, 50. But every time you go up to Borough, everyone's always in such a good mood. Um, probably because we always lose up there and people just, you know, who go up there just up there for the laugh anyway. So the fact that we actually went up there and won this time was even better. And like I said, if you heard the post-match podcast, the fans there were so ecstatic. You know, the Brentford fans, they were just they were just rabid. They were just, you know, they were so pleased. And then the, the Borough fans, again, they were respectful. They turned around and they said, you know, you guys, you played great. You know, you've come there quite a few times and you haven't got the result. You finally got the result you deserved. So they tipped their hat to us. And that's to say, what's one of the reasons why we like going to Borough? Because they're, you know, as opposed to, and okay, I'm not going to tire everyone with the same brush, but, you know, Leeds fans, if you go and beat Leeds in general, they, they won't turn around to you and say, you know, Fair play to you. You've done all right there. You know, we couldn't beat you. They'll be thinking of all sorts of reasons why you've cheated them out of the game. But, um, for, um, you know, but Borough fans, they're really, really, you know, I've got a lot of respect for them. So we had a really, really good uh, time on Saturday. It was a really good result. I mean, Laney, you know, we were up there as well on Saturday. It was uh, a, a good performance from the Bees and it's a well-deserved result, wasn't it? Yeah, a very, very well-deserved result. Uh, we took a bit of a punch on the chin early on. Uh, you know, Dan Bentley, he, he you know, he, he really did. He didn't deal with the ball well at all. It bounced off his chest and it was uh, it was converted. And we were a goal down. You don't, you just don't want to concede early up at the, at the Riverside. We know what their defensive record's like, and we did. But fair play, you know, as, as we've seen all the way throughout this kind of recovery phase of um, Thomas Frank's uh, reign, they stick to what they, they, they know best. They stick to the game plan, they stick to the way they play football. And we managed the rest of the game really well. The chances that came our way, we took. Uh, we got a little bit fortunate with the equaliser, I guess. But although, you know, I think, um, you know, the, more pay at the far post would have knocked it in if uh, if it hadn't been an own goal. So, yeah, it was a really great shot in the arm. We we finally got what we deserved up at Borough, and uh, we hoped that we'd be able to really build on that at, at, at Sheffield United. But although we lost, and we well, I know we're going to talk about you know what happened. My gut feeling is over the course of three really stinky fixtures we've got Borough Sheffield United West Brom nine nine points three games if we can beat West Brom and get six points out of those potential nine I think that puts us ahead of where we thought we could be and I don't think although we should have at least got a point at Bramwell Lane last night I, I, I'm not sure it affects us too much with with still this many games to go. Not at all. I mean, uh, D- Dave. I mean, let's, let's let's just come back to this Borough game as well. I mean, as we're talking about it, um, yeah. there's there's a, I mean, there's a couple of you know, as I said to you, there's a couple of issues as well. Well, there's quite a few issues that we that we that we were like I said we we're going to discuss on Monday. First of all, I mean, I know you mentioned Daniel Bentley, and he, he you know, again, he made a, an error in the first. A few minutes, which unfortunately resulted in a goal. 
Um, later on in the game, Daniel Bentley actually got injured and he came off. And uh, I mean, I actually didn't even notice that he'd come off. It was, I uh, turned around to somebody and they said to me, oh, you know, he's quite quite good, that that." Danish keeper, isn't he? I'm like, what Danish keeper? What are you talking about? And Gunnarsson had uh, he'd actually come into the he's actually come onto the pitch. And Gunnarsson is our young 18 year old fourth in line goalkeeper, B team goalkeeper, and he was on the bench. So it was interesting. It was Daniel Bentley in goal and Gunnarsson on the bench. Um, now we we actually met Dan Bentley myself and Dave on the way back. We uh, we went to Darlington, picked up the truck, got a cab out across to Darlington to pick up our train, which is the last train back to London, which was delayed, which we'll talk, probably talk about that in a minute. And the whole Brentford team was there, so we had a chat to Thomas Frank, we had a chat to, to uh, Kevin Connor, we had a chat to you know, Peter Gillum, you know, the crown, they're all up there. Uh, had a chat to quite a few of the players, and um, like I said, Dan Bentley was there, and he, we had a chat to him as well. And I have to admit, he said that, you know, I think one of the Borough players went through him, he said, him on the shoulder, and uh, he had his arm in a, in a sling. And I... Myself and Laney, we, we looked at him and we just thought, tell you something, I'm not sure whether or not you know he's actually going to be playing another game this season. That's that's what our honest thoughts were about the, the Bentley situation. And uh, it just made us think as well, because we have a situation where Brentford fans have been very unhappy with you know with Bentley. Just not, not, not from himself, but he's made a few, few mistakes and sometimes people are saying it's time for a change. But then all of a sudden we've got a situation where his hands in a sling and then we thought, I think we've got an enforced change and all of a sudden everyone's thinking, oh, that's, that's a bit bad, isn't it? You know, so are we at the situation where, you know, our keeper that we have, you know, he, he still is our number one keeper and he's the one that we really want to have in goal. Um, Dave? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. He is the number one. He's our, he's our best keeper. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I feel for me, Bentley. I think you, like you're saying, you kind of don't really know what you've got till it's gone. Everyone has moaned about Bentley. He's driven us mad. He's, uh, yeah, he's cost us a lot of goals this year. But when he actually is injured, you're starting to look at our, look at our next keepers. He, he clearly is our number one keeper. So we, we kind of do need him back fit. Um, just looking at his incident though, you, you mentioned the goal. I was just going back to that. It was just something that just frustrated me. It was. Just technically, he does seem like he's dropped away. So when that ball's coming at him, just anywhere else but the danger zone, get it to the side, get it anywhere, and he's just sort of passed it back out to Fletcher to tap in. But uh, yeah, in a sling doesn't sound good. So I'm kind of hoping that something does. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to see us sort of go to the end of the season or go much longer without him. We do, we do kind of need him back. Daniels is Daniels is our second keeper, but we're through to kids after him. We need Bentley, really. And also, I mean, Laney, what was interesting is that, you know, um, Daniels wasn't on the bench on, on Saturday. Gunnison was on the bench. And, we, you know, we've heard that um, Ellery Borkham's injured. Uh, we thought Daniels was injured. So we thought, you know, Gunnison's on the bench. OK, that makes sense. But he probably won't come on because, you know, your substitute keeper doesn't normally come on. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, he's had to come on. Um, he actually played really well. But we were in the predicament saying, you know, oh, if Bentley's injured or if Daniels is injured, we're going to have to play Gunnison because we've got no other options, you know. So that was our thought. But then after we heard that um, Daniels wasn't actually injured, I don't think. So it's a bit confusing as to why he wasn't on the bench on Saturday. Laney, don't you think so? Uh, well, not. not it, it was a little bit confusing, yeah. But I, I would say that 
he was dropped after his performance at Swansea, to be honest with you. Um, you know, you, you play two... You always pick two goalkeepers. There's always one spare on the bench. If you, you can normally count on the fingers of zero hands the times during the course of a normal season where the, the, you need to sub your goalkeeper. It, it's literally... Uh, uh, an, an extra insurance policy. So normally, in normal circumstances, having a, whoever you pick on the as a, as a reserve goalkeeper, sub goalkeeper, it does it shouldn't really matter because they're never really played. But <clears throat> I have to say that Gunnarsson, that touch that he made in the last minute, he, he took it off of uh, Middlesbrough forward's head or the Middlesbrough defender's head, whoever it was that was coming in, it would have been the equaliser. Um, and he, he, he did enough. I, I would my I'm not sure my I'm not sure my ticker would take ninety minutes with a rookie in goal at the moment because the quality of this level is so good that you need someone at the top of their game. You know, I'm, I'm a bit gutted for Dan Bentley, if I'm honest with you, because I, I, I do love him as a goalkeeper. That first season he had at, at Griffin Park, he, you know, mm. we were all raving about him. We were talking about him as being, you know, Man City quality and and, and or Arsenal quality. And I, and I, th- I think I think he probably could be, but you know, he's, he's had a, he's had a wobbly season and a half, and uh, <clears throat> it does, you know. I'm, I'm a bit gutted for Ellery Balkan because maybe this is the time he could have come in and, and made a name for himself. So his injury's not come at the right time. So, yeah, no, you're exactly right in what you say, uh, that he is our number one goalkeeper and we kind of do really need him back fit. And I heard whether he's to be believed he had a, he had a fitness test that he failed. So if he's having a fitness test, that probably means he's not a million miles away, but... You know, um, I, I don't expect him to be between the sticks on Saturday. No, not, I mean, not at all. Um, again, you know, not the way that he was grimacing on Saturday and, you know, how he was feeling. And, and you know, if you've got a playing goal, you've got to be pretty agile. So, um, OK, it's probably a good thing we've got an international break and we'll see how it goes there. But, I mean, again, my personally, I, I, I was, I'd have been surprised to sort of see him, you know, coming back this season. That's my personal opinion. It's not any views that we've heard from anywhere else. That was just kind of, you know, um, you know what, what, what's happened on the night. But we've seen uh, different situations um, take place. But also, from that Borough game as well, um, Dalsgaard, he's been getting a little bit of stick, or quite a lot of stick as of recently. But um, past few games, there's been a bit of a Dalsgaard revival. Dave, don't you think so? Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. Dalsgaard, um, I'm... Uh, into a little secret I've actually been quite a big fan of Dalsgaard for a while and I, I've tried to defend him a little bit he serves a really good purpose for us he's got uh, t-shirts really Dalsgaard fan club and all that yeah that's me I'm a full signed up paid member um, yeah that's me but no he's been really good He's he's been really consistent these last few games um, getting in behind on that right hand side yeah he got us back into the game at Borough that was a yeah what, what was he doing there he's trying to sort of get the ball get it across the goal just anybody can get a nick on it or into the far corner uh, yeah he's been he's been really solid for us I, th- I think he's had a couple of shady moments which people probably focused on a bit too much and uh, and let that did take their opinions on his entire game but strong defensively strong going forwards and this formation really gets the best out of him as well he, he sort of freed up on that right hand side uh, we'll probably talk about it later but 
I don't think putting him into the back three against Borough actually helped us much. He's probably giving us natural width on that right-hand side. He's, he's fantastic out there. And we kind of lost that a little bit with him going back. But, yeah, we might come on to that a bit later. Against Borough, you mean, you mean at Sheffield United? Sorry, Sheffield United. Apologies, yeah. The United yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you saw that um, interview that Dale Scott did with uh, the Brentford uh, website. And it gave us just a little bit of an insight into how he was thinking. Um, he, he was really honest and he, he, he talked about sort of his form becoming slightly derailed in December. He, I, I, felt, I thought, fair play to you. That's, that's kind of a big admission. Mm. When, when there was a bit of a furore about Dalsgaard, when there was legitimately, I think, um, calls for him to be dropped because, you know, you could argue that, you know, we were playing the wrong formation. He was the tall guy that was pushed forward to the halfway line. The ball was played out to him. It, whether he won it or not, the second phase ball was played into the gap that he vacated. That that seemed to be a big weakness in in playing. You know, the, the you know the formation that we were playing before the one we are now. But Dalsgaard said that you know that the time he was out for a couple of weeks. And then there was an international break and he was able to go home and rest a bit and he was able to recharge his batteries. And let's not forget, you know, he was involved in the Denmark team that got to the, you know, the last stages of the World Cup. And he yeah. was, was a long way from home. He was training. He, he'd finished the season with us. He'd gone straight out there. He was back and he was, you know, straight into pre-season. And it's been a, you know, a Saturday, Tuesday schedule for... For, for him for most part of this season he's involved in qualifiers and what have you so it's, it's you know let's not to be I think it's easy to be really really harsh on these players okay yeah they've played paid a lot of money but really the recovery from from game on game it's you know put yourself in that situation you know it's, it's, it's proper hardcore and I, and I think sometimes He's still fairly young compared to most of us, you know. So let's let's let's, let's cut him, cut him some slack sometimes, eh? Yeah, indeed. So I mean, Gaz, I'm just wondering as well. Obviously, we haven't won. Well, we've won one game away from home. Our away record's been atrocious. We go up and beat Borough. Did you truly believe that our away hoodoo had been smashed? Well, yeah. To be honest, I. I... I didn't think the away who do you could say the way who has been smashed, but now we've started to win a couple of games away from home. Um, but as uh, you know, we have had this season, we have repeatedly had these kind of bad games in the months. You know, it looks like every time it looks like it's a new dawn, next thing we'll start go up, something bad happens, or we turn in the performance, we'll have scratching our heads thinking, well, hold on, where did that come up? Why are we not able to build? from the previous game. Again, you can look at, we have got a couple of injuries. Um, last night, I thought, you know, was this, I, I, I felt very disappointing. Um, earlier, Dave said, you're going to take, you know, if you take six points from these three tough games, that would be a very good call. However, when, you know, in look, you know, it, it could have been more and probably should have been more last night. And, you know, that is frustrating. Are you disagreeing with me, Gaz? Are you disagreeing with me? Yeah, yeah I think, well, babe, it wouldn't be the first time, mate. Yeah, indeed. Listen, so, listen, two managers on Saturday. One very experienced manager in 
English football, who's uh, done things with teams in the Premier League and in the Championship all over the place, and, and one manager who's very, very new to, to English football, as in managing, looking after a team. Um, Thomas Frank versus Tony Pulis. Um, I'm just wondering, the battle of these two guys, I mean, you know, Dave, just coming back to you, the difference yeah. and, you know, who won, I mean, obviously, Brentford won this, Brentford won the game, but also kind of who won overall, because there was a, there was a couple of sort of mind games things going on beforehand, I thought, not, not massively, but like I said to you, I thought that, you know, Thomas Frank, he was giving absolute admiration for Pulis, which I thought was good, saying, you know, about their defensive records, second to none, the way their team plays, everything about them is absolutely brilliant, there's nothing to be admired about them, everything to be, sorry, everything to be admired about the team and the way he does it, and he's just absolutely brilliant. And then he basically goes there and he, he, un, he, he, un, he unpicks him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Pulis goes on and plays hoofball and tries to just, just sort of beat us with hoofing and beating us up. And, you know, he looked a bit stupid at the end of the day. I mean, Dave, tell, tell us about the battle of these two managers. Yeah, uh, I'd call it Beauty and the Beast. You've got Frank and his lovely ideas. And you've got Pulis, not the, not the, not the most graceful. Um, yeah, comparing the two... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like chalk and cheese, isn't it? Pulis doesn't really want the ball. Frank does want the ball. Pulis sort of wants to make the most out of these really gritty, like the dirtier side of the game, whereas Frank wants to keep it pure. But just going back to you, sort of give Frank, uh, giving Pulis compliments, I think I, I think Frank does appreciate the defensive side of the game, so he probably does look at Pulis and think, ah, actually, there are some things to be uh, some things to be lauded, some things that he's really good at, uh, but. As a battle, I think Pulis went into ultra Pulis mode. It was that moment on about 60 minutes. I think it was an hour through, and he took off a somber longer and brought on George Friend. And I made a joke beforehand that if Pulis could, he'd play eight centre backs if he could. And it, it kind of backfired. But I think Pulis was probably looking for what Sheffield United were doing last night, just getting getting it really compact around the around the six yard box, around the edge of their own box keeping it really tight, not allowing any space for us, like Ben, sort of ben Rama and Watkins, or uh, sorry, Canos as well. Keep it tight and, uh, yeah, just limit us to pot shots or shots from sort of far out. But we did the business, yeah. We did. We sort of got, got Dow's gone out wide and, uh, and it worked. So, yeah, Frank clearly won that tactical battle. It was, uh, it was funny to hear him speaking before and after. It's going yeah. to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> Purely starts with 10 men. On purpose, <laughs> so he, just just so he can play seven at the back, <laughs> and then he, so he can play. He can, he can like maybe he'd bring an extra. He'd bring the eleventh man on at half time. <laughs> yeah, that's just right. I was, I was I was actually sitting with um, Phil Giles for the like I said through the second half, just watching the match and sort of chatting away with it. And when they did make that uh, that substitution, like I said, I think it was on sixty minutes, as you said. And uh, like I said to you, friend came off on, and the somber longer came on, and friend, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I went, um, I went, we're taking the somber longer off. I said, that's a bit, you know, that's a bit, you know. He's shutting up sharp. That's right, yeah. So I said that, that, I said 60 minutes. And uh, I think Bill just said at the time, he was just like, sort of like, yes, 
ups were playing to our hands. So I think for us, we were delighted, you know, when he mm. saw that was going to happen. And I think he actually had real faith in, in us getting a goal back. I think I was burrowed by that yeah. time. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. We're not going to be scoring no goals now. But he was uh, he was properly burrowed up and he was really happy. And when he scored, actually, I think he almost jumped and hit the roof as well, which is uh, good. It's good to see good passion from everyone in, in the club. And, and going back to, to, to Middlesbrough, um, to Darlington Station as well, Everyone was they were all really happy, weren't they? Like Thomas Frank, yeah. they were just always jumping and smart. It's like we'd won the FA Cup almost, though, wasn't it? Yeah, no, there was a there was a proper vibe in that subway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was. I, I, I have to say though, I don't I don't think that journey back did Brentford any favours whatsoever. So, you know, we 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 got the train. They got the coach back from uh, Middlesbrough to Darlington to get the first class train back to London we got the train back to get the not first class train back to London and the, okay, the train okay, delayed okay. by 35 40 whatever minutes it was we didn't get into King's Cross until half past 11 at night something like that so they probably would have got another coach or whatever back to Jersey Road to pick their, to pick their Ferraris up or whatever they drive and um so they probably wouldn't have got home till one. I think I didn't get home much before half twelve. So they would have driven back to like one Sunday rest, Monday travel up to Sheffield or a bit of training then travel up to Sheffield. So it was pretty much non-stop. I, I, I'm not sure where you factor in recovery from that. You know, I know they're fit. So it's not about it's not about training them to to make them match fit. They're match fit already. They don't need to train really for the rest of the season, um, apart from tactical and, and kind of like you know um, patterns of play kind of practice. So they're they're fit, but it's just it's that recovery time. I, I'm I'm not sure those two back to back long northern trips did us much favours, and I I think we looked fatigued. Don't think we looked unfair. I think we looked lack we lacked energy in between our ears. You know, the, the, the legs were there and it was it was defenders versus attackers for for pretty much uh, the whole of that second half. I it, it didn't seem you know, they were shooting from distance, they were making wrong decisions, there was no threat of a, a genius ball through from Sawyers to, to Morpe, which is what we've we've expected to happen. The ball was predictably going out to the right all the time. And uh, Sheffield United coached with it, and uh, it was it was just frustrating, really. It was frustrating, I mean, and it's, and then coming on to the Sheffield United match because obviously. That was the big game. It was teed up for Sheffield United. Sheffield United fans, I know, I know I've got a lot of brave friends, as you say, or chums, as we like to say, because um, we like to chum up with our Sheffield friends. They were very, very nervous about us because they know that, you know, the style of football we play, the fact we got a very good result against Borough. And, uh, and they needed to, and also they were focusing because they've got a big game on Saturday against Leeds United. So, OK, they've got a lot of players, so they can juggle them. But they were worried that they were thinking about that Leeds game so much that they'd kind of sacrifice for the for the for the for the Brentford game, and quite a few fans weren't happy actually that they'd taken out I think it was McGoldrick and um, Sharp out of their attack for the game against Brentford, and thought we can deal with Hogan and you know whoever up front for this game because we really need to we need to really focus on the Leeds United uh, Leeds United game, so. Again, in the match, the Sheffield United match, 
Um, game was going all right, and then uh, there's a bit of a fluff again. It's almost like you know we, we could almost write the, the script for every match. You know what I'm saying? We were doing okay, then there's a bit of a fluff, and then the, and then and then the team scored, and then we were on the back foot. But that's exactly what happened. It was a fluff, and uh, the the Sheffield United player was tackled, really clumsy tackle, got a penalty, put the ball in the back of the net. But the most annoying thing about that penalty is that. We started off, it was very tight, and then we were getting into the game, and we were really getting into mm. the game, and um, Ben Rama was causing all sorts of problems. I was getting messages from all my blades, chums saying, you know, we, you know we're, we're, we're in trouble here. You know, you're really turning the screw. Boom, the penalty came, and that just changed everything, because obviously once that happens, Sheffield United has got one of the best defences in the league. They're able to just sit back, and we need to just kind of unlock them and unpick them. You know, and then... Um, you know, and then things kind of went from bad to worse from there, didn't they, lady? Yeah, they did. And it was, uh, I was watching the clock. I, I, it started the second half and I thought, OK, it's, uh, this is going to be one-way traffic. And it was. Uh, but it, it, it was sadly, it was sadly predictable. Where, where some of our forward players, Ben Rama's, um, the Watkins, then when Canos came on, where we're where we've been expecting a little bit of brilliance from them, and you know, um, more pay being clinical, it didn't really happen. And I and I say that we were several percent, or you know, maybe ten, fifteen percent, twenty percent below where we were um, when we when we beat QPR and when we when we've beaten or thrashed Hull. You know, we we need that. We need these creative players at their very best, and I, and I don't think they they quite were there. And I, I just think I think there are mitigating circumstances, but it, it's a, it's a big missed opportunity if you're gonna if you're gonna come up against Sheffield. Got Sheffield United week, and they were yes. So come up with Sheffield United every week. Sheffield United. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying about Sheffield United, about coming up against Sheffield United, say it again. So yeah, like, if, if you if you want to play Sheffield United, you want to play them when they're weak, and they they were, you know, unfortunately they were a goal up, but down to ten men at home against a team like Brentford, they're they're on the rack, and you know we 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 put them on the rack, you know it was it was pretty much one way traffic apart from one or two attacks. And we should have taken at least a point yesterday night, and it's 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 galling to 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 come away from there knowing that we deserved more than what we got. I mean, Gary, you've got to ask the question: Do you think? I mean, Gary McDean got sent off in again. I think was it the 60th minute again? Was it? Uh, oh no, no, more no, like 30th. No, minute. 30th minute. That's right. So, so Gary McDean got sent off quite early on in the match, and so and, and and so and so, Gaz, I'm just wondering. Do you actually think that put us at a disadvantage? No, I think that the less players our opposition have, the better it is for us. Um, no, what I, would, what I would say, the only thing I was thinking is, is that a situation where we need to have a system where we can put two people up front and turn the screw? Um, I know, like, force came on sort of like in the dying embers of the game when it was 2-0 should that have happened maybe 15 minutes earlier or should we have some sort of system where in a situation where we are chasing the game 
we can get two two players up there because it was quite obvious sort of quite early on that what we were doing was going to be dealt with fairly easily by um, Egan and McConnell and their chums. You know, they did keep us at bay as a lot of our shots were um, you know, from, from long distance and wayward. And I would like to... I, you, and I think what galls us is it's not as if, you know, we were hitting posts and hitting bars and their keeper was having a blinder. You know, we just didn't do enough. And I know that. Boy, we did. We hit the post, and he did. He did pull off the blinder. No, I don't think. We, I don't think we did that enough. It's not like it was. You know, all I can say is they were They looked too comfortable, uh, and to have to play what was it, fifty-five minutes with with um, ten men. I thought. I I thought they looked too comfortable, and I was never, ever, ever after about ten minutes of Lembeston, I was never confident. <coughs> I mean, the thing is that they were, I mean, they obviously were, they seemed comfortable and their goalkeeper didn't seem to be put under a massive threat. But interestingly, you know, if you compare the two matches, and again, we do a little bit of the stats thing and we'll bring XG Dave into us a little bit more. But, you know, for the, um, for the Middlesbrough-Brentford game, um, it was actually fairly evenly matched. You know, uh, Middlesbrough next year of 1.65, Brentford of 1.62. So it's fairly evenly matched. We had sort of kind of reasonably the same sort of quality of chances through those matches and we 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 came out the best in that game up at up, up at Middlesbrough but interestingly the Sheffield United game we were actually 2.08 so we actually had better chances overall i don't know whether or not it's just we had loads more chances or loads more lesser yeah, yeah, chances volume, you know yeah. so it's a volume thing we had loads of chances we had a couple of we had a couple of decent half decent chances i think in front of goal where we should have actually dealt with it and we had millions of stuff from outside the area and it was a slightly different game i mean dave you 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 give us a little bit more of a of a thought on this sheffield united match because it was it was it was a definite lost opportunity yeah absolutely it was yeah just quickly pick on something gary was talking about there when with um with force and the second striker. So I kind of agree. So how I saw it was we were in possession. We were fine. We were, yeah, I mean, we were so much more dominant than we had the extra player. We had the extra man. So we could move the ball around fine. But it seemed like Frank, his, what he was thinking was he wanted to make us even better in possession when we were probably good enough. So he wanted to get our best footballers on. So that's what he obviously took Konza off, uh, got Marcondes in. He wanted to just make us even better with the ball. And, I think we were good enough as it were and we should have probably stayed with our shape a bit more. But the one thing we didn't do is get another body close to Morpai or somebody else central in the box. I, I think that would have really helped. We played into we kind of played into Sheffield United's hands. We sort of got it wide and then put crosses straight onto Egan's or O'Connell's heads. We kept staying central and then sort of Dalsgaard got pulled back and we lost our width on the right. It, it felt like we kind of fell into the traps laid out for us. But uh, just going back to, uh, yeah, I'll just quickly go on to numbers side. So 2.8. That's uh, info 2.08, goals, yeah, 2.08. 2 point, sorry, 2.08, yeah. Like, their rough XG, what they're saying, we should have had. A lot of that was, it was volume and it was pot, It was these, we only created a couple of, like, we had the Morpai chance, which was lovely, the one with Barbe's balling, which was beautiful, and then Morpai got in the end and Henderson's really reacted well. But a lot of them were Ben Rama and Canos sort of striking from really far out. Like, some of them, there was one that Canos took, which was, yeah, I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> It wasn't pretty at all, and it kind of set the tone. And it was—it kind of felt like desperation quite early on. And we—we we shouldn't have fallen into that trap. We should have stayed patient because I think if we did, and if we did have a central 
someone in there to sort of get those fumbles. Like one of the fumbles fell to Jean Vier in the knockdown, and that's where you wanted a force or a Morpai. Or when it was bouncing around, you just wanted someone else with a striker's instinct in there next to Morpai. And I think that's the thing that Frank didn't change quick enough. We, we were good enough in possession. We were, we were always going to outpass them and, and control them the other way. And it really backfired, didn't it? McGoldrick nodding in that, that second. Yeah, it did. And, and interestingly, you're talking about the fact that because it seemed like we didn't have a plan or we just really struggled to get past their defence. I mean, they, they, they packed the midfield. Um, they had a, a very strong defence. They're known, like I said to you, of, of having the best defence, well, one of the best defences in, 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 in the whole of the championship. Now, the irony, of course, in this whole thing is that we've got two of ex-Brentford <laughs> players in that defence. <laughs> We've and been coaching uh, their players, you, you know, so and and they, and I, I got a lot of thank you very much. You know, these are the best players, you know, <laughs> in our side, and they've been fantastic, and we're very happy that you've sent them to us. And there's a very big chance they'll be playing in the Premier League next season. Now, listen, you might say that you 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 you, you can't catch any opportunity any opportunity, but I, I, I'm I'm I've had to have a little think about this because when we've got John Egan in. I think the main reason we got Egan in is because we were really struggling with these crosses and we were struggling with dealing with balls in the air and we needed somebody who was a bit more commanding who could play on our side. And when he came into our side, we were still having the same problems, right? And, you know, he, he, he seemed to be doing all right, but not brilliantly. So when he was, you know, Sheffield United came in and said, we want Egan, we were like, look, that's fair enough, you know, and the club was very happy to let him go. Yeah, they got four million for him, you know, which they were very happy with. And, you know, everyone's really happy with that. Now, what's happened is that, ironically, we've gone, and, and we've gone, our oh, Sheffield United going to go three at the back, so that'll be better for Egan because, you know, Brentford would like to have ball-playing centre-backs and, you know, he's not so much a ball-playing centre-back. Then he goes into a three at the back, you know, at Sheffield United. We flipped a three at the back of Sheffield United. We're still struggling with balls into the box, into the area, and I'm sitting down there thinking, oh, hold on a second, have we missed a bit of a trick here? I mean, Dave, I'm, I, I, it is a serious question because I'm, I'm a little bit confused because, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying I want to bin out Jean Vier or I want to bin out any of these other players, but th- this still seems to be a bit of a fundamental issue that we, we're still not quite dealing with the major thing that we've always been trying to deal with. Dave? Uh, yeah, I'll just, uh, yeah, quickly, I know lots to say, but... When you've got when you've got Egan, so for instance, if you've got a player like Egan, what we didn't really do with what we didn't really do with him is probably play the best, yeah, play a play a way to get the best out of him. So we continually went four at the back. We never really tried three. We're doing it now, but Dean Smith was here for uh, four years and had Egan for a couple of seasons. He was there for two years, wasn't he? Yeah. So when you look at him, what, what, how are you going to get the best out of him? It's no coincidence that he's gone to Sheffield United. And Wilder is immediately, like he, that's his formation. He's seen a spot for him and he's thought, right in the centre of my three at the back, I'm going to pluck this guy who's going to get his head in. He's going to sort of be a magnet to the ball and, and protect us. And it's, it's working really well for them. Yeah, I mean, we have to seriously think, like, should we have been looking at the personnel we had and, and adapting how we played to the personnel or, or were we too wedded to one system and sort of playing that way and trying to trying to make people work within that. So let's not kid ourselves. We have gone three at the back because it suits us better. Uh, we've got rid of McEachran. We've got two of our best midfielders on the pitch. We don't need McEachran really anymore. We're, we're try- we're, if you look at Frank now, he's kind of looking at the players we have and how best we can get out, like sort of freeing Dowsgaard on the, on the right. Uh, obviously Rico's injured now, but Moses on the left, they're better wing-backs than they are full-backs. 
we're kind of adapting to our squad a little bit more. And it, yeah, it, we may talk about it later, but if, if we give Frank those extra couple of players, we do seem to have a coach now who does have the idea sort of getting the best out of the players at his disposal. I think, I think Wild has done a, a brilliant job of uh, identifying and picking up a player that's perfect for the way he wants to play. Um, you know, Egan was the captain of our club. Let's, let's not forget that. So we, we, did, we did give him an opportunity. And, and I agree that, um, that Smith was, was stuck on a different way of playing. Where, I, 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 still, I still go back to you can't, it's impossible to keep a whole squad of really good players content. If you're not playing him enough or you don't intend on playing him enough, you have to let him go. And we got good money for Egan and we've got Konza, we've got Jean Vier and, and that, those two, I, I would say, are much better footballers than, than Egan. And I think I, I'm, I'm proud and I'm really happy that we have got a footballing philosophy and we we play a certain way, and and although we didn't it didn't win the game last night, it didn't even get a point last night. I, I still thought we were the footballing team, and I, I, I just I'm really happy. I'm I'm really I'm chomping at the bit for Saturday to see us play at home against West Brom, because I, I know that we're going to put on a footballing show, and I you know I, I wouldn't swap that for what what Middlesbrough see week in week out and they might be higher up in the league and they might it may be more functional but we're we, we've got this this vision and, I, and I'm 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 really happy with it yeah I mean, but again okay you say you're happy with that but I mean I'm saying Gaz I mean we don't have to go we don't have to go to the depth of Borough you know even Borough fans like I said to you they're like they're, they're moaning about Borough and you know they're in the, in the playoff places and they're just saying Jesus we've got to watch this every week you know you're in 12th place and we'd love to watch football like yours every week but let's come back to Sheffield United Gaz I mean the fact is that Sheffield United um, seem to have they seem to have got some sort of formula right you know they seem to have got industrial players who are industrious who work really hard they know exactly what they're doing they've got they seem to have the sort of kind of right balance between a bit of brawn you know a bit of toughness and also ball playing you know they've got old players they've got young players you know they seem to be kind of they just seem to have a, a balance which seems to work for them don't they no, I, think I, was, I, was, yeah, I think the difference is we've got an overall model in our club that isn't the same as theirs so yes they can go and spend four four and a half million on a player like Egan. If we saw Egan at another club, we would see it, identify him as a good defender, but he wouldn't necessarily be what we were looking for at that price. So that they, you know, they they can go and get Scott Hogan on the, you know, on his salary. We can't, so we have to operate in a different way. And in some in some ways, it can hinder us, which is why obviously we've got our system, which is a way of overcoming that hurdle. It's not always going to work. At that time, we are looking at, we're starting to pick up injuries now. Um, so I think that they appear to have had quite a good run. I mean, when you, you only looked at last night and said, oh, right now they bring on Billy Sharp, you know, and we, we were on forces, what was it, his third league game? Then they're bringing on Billy Sharp. So when you look at the resources of the two teams, they have obviously have greater resources than us. 
okay, which is yeah, which is you know, which is which I do understand, but okay, it's resources. So basically, you're saying that okay, okay, because this is an argument that we have because we say that we have to outthink the other team and we can think of ways of bringing in players and and not spending so much money. But in a way, you're kind of saying, well, at the end of the day, actually, it's really inevitable that the more money you've got, the better you're going to do, and that's it in the story. So we kind of we have to resign ourselves at being tenth for twelfth. Is that what you're saying? No, not really. What I'm saying, well, if you look at not we wouldn't have bought more like two, three years ago because as, as because of because we do things like sell because we sold Andre Gray for seven million or whatever it was and we got 12 for Hogan, that means that we can then go and buy a better quality player that fits our system. They can go and buy a better quality player that fits their system because they can go and spend a lot of money. But again, the money won't be the only thing. Wilder has done very well. The fact that, you know, um, O'Connell and Egan have gone in there, they've meshed, blended well. What you saw, what they were like last night, nothing was getting through them. Um, the way we were playing, nothing was getting through them. So they, their system has worked, and they've had the type of luck that we had in um, 2015 when we reached the playoffs, where we, you know, we were like, you know, hotter, hit the ground running, started off very well and continued it all the way through the season and didn't get injured. You know, now we've got, you know, we've got people getting injured in the warm up. We've got fourth string kicker out, you know, going in goal on, um, you know, on um, sat- on Saturday. Unfortunately, these things are probably going to affect us. That's the thing that will drop us down to 12th place, where as Sheffield United, with their resources, it might drop them down to 7th or 8th. Yeah, again, so, so, so there's me coming back to it again. You're basically saying it's down to money because they, you know, we were, you know, we were, okay, we were stripped to the bone in 2014 15, um, uh, but we didn't get any injuries, so we managed to go the way, all the way through the season. You're saying because Sheffield United have got 59 strikers that you know they could put a wealth of strikers on their bench that we that we haven't got that, and they've got a wealth of players that they've got because they've got more money than us. So is it coming down to the fact that basically we haven't really got enough money to actually get into those positions because the time that we actually do reasonably well and then we don't quite make it, then somebody buys all our players and we've got to start again. I, I look at it at the moment. I think Sheffield United. If uh, let's look at the Championship like a game of Monopoly, and I, I think I think Sheffield United have done particularly well on their last couple of trips around the board, and they've got a couple of hotels and some houses on some very decent streets. They they're well equipped for winning the game of Monopoly this year. Brentford, we're we're still down Mylan Road in in in. in in certain positions, I, I, I think we are. We know that we're lacking up front. That's not, not to not more pay because he's, he's he's been a bit of a god this year. But they've got three or four other choices who have got league experience and, and goal scoring experience. We haven't got that. We've got more pay or nothing up front. They've got strength in depth in defence. They've got four, five, six defenders that they can call upon. You know, we, we picked Egan from Gillingham. He was, he was their player of the year. We did the right thing. We picked him out of a lower league and we, and we gave him, league, you know, top, top league, top two league experience. We sold him one for a lot of money. But he, he's, he's, a, 
is a quality, quality defender. They've got lots of them. And we've got three. We've sold, we've sold Mepham. Um, and we, we, we're kind of like one or two injuries away from being in trouble where they've, they've got decent replacements for every position. I don't know how they've managed it. They've obviously done it by spending money. But as I say, going back to my monopoly analogy, they, they have a very, very strong bid to get out of this division this year. Yeah, I mean, you said, sorry, just quickly, and just to come back to that point, you don't know how they did it. Um, apparently, and they called us to, to one, of our, one of our crew who actually does a few bits and pieces with Sheffield United. They've actually got a shake. Um, I mean, this is quite a lot of noise. I mean, the Shake actually owns Sheffield United, so I think the original owners and the, the new Shake owners, you know, they said they'll sell to the Shake because he was when they put in a load of money, and then they didn't think that he's put in any money. So there's been lots of uh, lots of infighting between the the, the different sort of uh, owners of Sheffield United. However, I all I can imagine is looking at you know the fact that they've got Hogan. Even though Hogan, they might not be paying all of Hogan's wages. They might only be paying fifty percent of it. So they're only probably going to be paying sort of twenty-five grand a week instead of you know fifty grand a week or whatever it is. They're still paying a lot of money. So I would say that even though the Sheikh hasn't probably put in um, Wolverhampton Wanderers type money into the club, it looks like he's still put money into the club, which has done enough for them to be able to get players in you know McGoldrick he's not going to be on three grand a week even though they probably got him in on a free I think he was released from Ipswich but he's probably still going to be on decent money he's going to be coming in there because of his track record and you know they've got a lot of players in there so there has been investment because somebody has come in there and decided to put in a reasonable amount of money which has uh, got them into the upper echelons of the championship and also has got them, if, again, if you look at all the stats and the figures, they are in a deserved position where they're saying, actually, they're doing everything that's right. So as opposed to Brentford, who we're basically underachieving, while <coughs> league position is not anywhere near the chances that we're creating, which basically means that we just keep on wasting these chances and we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not delivering what we could do, which ironically... We're scoring loads of goals. The so Brentford scores loads of goals, but we're still under delivering. Could you imagine if we actually put away the chances that we actually do create? We'd be we'd be we'd be 15 points clear of all these teams at the top of the league. But that's another that's for another day. But um, Sheffield United. So the question I'm going to ask you is, and Gary, I'm going to ask this to you. Um, we went into this game and we tried to hold it down a little bit. People started getting excited, talking about Brentford, the dark horses and stuff like that, and then we fluffed it. The question to you, I'm going to ask you, Gary, is this really remote playoff dream over now? Yeah, to be honest, it's been over for a long... My view is it's been over for a long time. Um, my, my, I think this has been over for a long time because we haven't managed to deal with the issue of giving away stupid goals. Um, when you, you look at the you look at the goal on Saturday, again, another daft goal where the goalkeeper spilled it. You look at the goal yesterday, somebody's tried to clear the ball with his groin, it's bounced to somebody else who's on it and clear, you know, and ended up tripping over one of their players, giving the penalty and we're 1-0 down and chasing the game. You know, unless we can, the key to us getting somewhere, we've got to eradicate that from our game. You saw what it was like, when, the amount of possession we had and how hard it was for us to create chances. We can't afford We've gone through this season just giving goal after goal after goal away by people dawdling in, not clearing the ball, the keeper spilling it, throwing it in the goal and, you know, daft things happening. And until we can tighten that up, we're going to be stuck where we are. And 
we'll be top of the um, expected goals chart and we're not going to get the return that we should be getting. XG Dave, what do you reckon? Do you reckon playoffs? End of story. Uh, I don't know if it's because I've had my second glass. I'm not sure, you know, but uh, no, I don't, I don't think it's over. I don't think the loss to Sheffield United changed too much. So um, before that game, I think, yeah, I mean, by the end of the season, we need about seven, eight wins. We can still get that. There's 10 games. Like, we can go on the run. Sheffield United would have been a game that if we'd have won that, everyone would have gone mad and that really, really stood no. But we haven't. Uh, this, so this, this little batch of three games we had, Borough, Sheffield United and West Brom, that's three out of the six, like three of the top six oldest teams in this division, so the most experienced. So they would have written up, yeah, well, not written us off, but if we get anything out of those games, it's a complete bonus. We're, the games we're pinned on are our home games and those away games at sort of Wigan, Bolton. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to trying to sort of relay to people that we shouldn't, it's hard to give up just yet. We There's something still here. And if we can patch this side through the last few games, I think there's a glint of something. It's not quite gone just yet. I don't know if that's because I'm a romantic or not, but I think there's something still there. Laney? We're, we're a long way, long way short of writing this season off. Uh, I, don't, I don't think defeat last night um, cost us too much, really. I know, I know it was galling. I know it could have been better. Uh, a win on Saturday, as, as, as Dave's just said, and as I, as I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, if you look at these three games over a week, if you, if you get six points out of nine, you would think that was excellent. So uh, there's a long way to go. But honestly, you know, we're we're not a promotion team this season. You know, we're there's there's a there's a lot lacking. But that's not to say you don't take it. You know, that's, you 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 take you take the playoffs and you take a playoff victory and then you then you rebuild. But I I think we're I think it's all about next year. If I'm honest with you, I, I think next year is the the right time and the best time for us to to put a challenge together. You, you, you don't, you don't, you can't discount an opportunity, and uh, we'll just see what happens. I, I, I think we'll fall short by four or five points, probably, and, and I think there'll be, you know, that we, we'll, we'll be kicking ourselves for that stinky run. If, if a few of those were draws or wins, then you know it would be different. We're not a million miles away, but we'll, we'll fall short. And, and for me, you know, we were um, we were in the middle of. Uh, I mean, I say for me, we uh, got to the beginning of March, and we'd only won one away game. So we were kind of going into the final run, and we'd only won one away game. Now I'm not being funny, but you know, let's be honest with you: a team who's only won one away game when it goes pretty much into the, but in the middle of March doesn't really deserve to get promoted, and that is that that is a fact. You know, okay, if we if we won every single game between now and the end of the season of course it's a different prospect altogether um, but you, you, no one's going to if you're going to say right everyone take 50 quid out of your pocket because we're going to get promoted now I'm not sure you're going to get anyone to take 50 quid out of their pocket now I think that it's a, definitely a missed opportunity um, for a number of reasons obviously there's been mitigating circumstances as well um, that have happened over the season the Dean Smith the, the Rob Rowan you know the change of manager 
all those kind of things are mitigated circumstances that we haven't, you know, be difficult for us to deal with. There's also been probably personnel issues that maybe could have been managed in a slightly different way. You know, players which, you know, we, you know, probably needed to boost our side to, to put, move us into this position because the, the problem that we have is, and I keep on saying this, is that if we do not, if, if everything doesn't gel at the right time, everything collapses and we have to start all over again. So everyone's going, Malpay's brilliant, Ben Rama, yeah, they're all really brilliant. But the fact is that they have brilliant seasons as players. We don't have a brilliant season as a team. Somebody else nabs them and then the following season we've got the next one which we've got to build them up to. And if that person doesn't come up to scratch, doesn't do a hotter first season and go up to speed straight away, we end up having to wait for a season or two before they come up to speed. And then when they come up to speed again, we don't quite get there and they get nabbed again. So this is why I was talking about this financial thing beforehand, where one of my friends kept saying to me, listen, you ain't going to go up because you ain't got the finances, mate. And I kept saying, that's not true because we're Brentford and we're really clever and this, that, and the other. But I'm looking at it now and it's like what people are saying there without saying at the moment now, you know, unless we maybe, you know, as we said beforehand, stick instead of twisting, Yes, it's great when somebody comes in for one of our players and we move them on for 12 million or 14 million. At a time we get the money and we reinvest, but then we start all over again. It's a really great business model. But then afterwards, when are we going to go for the 150 grand, which is Premier League money? Sometimes one season, do we, have, do we have to go, do we have to go, tell you something? No. No, no, no. Mail pay, no, no, no. This is the season. We're going to be putting money in this season because we're going to really go for the big push. And that for me, until we could see us doing that, keeping everybody, right, that we want and building so that we can be taking players off the bench so we've got a strength and depth as well, that's the season when we're going to be going up. Laney? Yeah, I, I think I think we really missed Makacho for a, a large chunk of the season where, you know, we, we, we relied on substandard players for an important phase of this season. I think we played, we, you know, Alan Judge got a lot of game time um, when uh, when Thomas Frank took over, and I don't, I don't think he actually brought a lot to us. Uh, um, you know, he, he was always he was always on the down curve. Uh, it, it was good to see him again. You know, he's, I, I, I love I love the player, I love the guy. He's a, he's a good bloke, and you know, but he, he was always he was always like yesterday's man not not tomorrow's man and you know it's the same with um josh mckechran i'd say you know he got a lot of game time because he's a yeah yeah he he, he is a baller was a baller i don't know i don't know how you describe him you, you can't write you can't write him off because he'll probably go somewhere and and do okay but he, he's he's not hungry he's, he's not the future so you know we we, we we gave them probably too much game time, um, and if if Makocho was probably fit, then the season may have been better. Uh, and again, who but he's one player. Yeah, he's one player in the centre of the field. You know. Yeah, no, I know. Should, should, should we have somebody else coming off the bench? No, no, but he's made he's made a, such a colossal difference, Bill. He he is he's a he's a man mountain. He's, he's not a big guy, but he's what he brings to that game in terms of energy. In terms of, um, he predicts where the ball's going to go. He he can tackle. He can he, he he's got a lot to his game, and he's hungry, and it, and he and he sees the game, and he he understands the ethic. 
and he buys into it. I, 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 however they scouted him, however they spotted him, that's a brilliant buy. Okay, he's a, again, he's a brilliant buy, and I'm not knocking that because I think he's brilliant. But if Makocha comes off, or Makocha can only play two games out of three in a week, who comes on? And this is what my issue is. It's like, you know, are we bringing on sort of a Makocha part two or somebody else or somebody older or somebody younger to fill that gap? Because at the moment now, we're not. So we've, we've got really some really good players, but we also, but we're still short because I think we're going to have to push the boat out if we want to go up. And maybe it might be the season that's going into the new stadium that they might decide to do that. And also the other thing is, I've got to ask this question as well, Dave, XG, Dave. Do you also think that we are, um, we, we, listen, we, uh, we play some beautiful, and, and Laney explained it very, very well earlier, we play some beautiful football, we play some fantastic football, you don't want to see you know, any of this Borough style or anything like that. However, do you think that we're too wedded to having every single player playing beautiful football and being completely and utterly technically, technically adept or, or do, and I've asked this before, do we have to mix and match it up a little bit? Because you look at these other teams, and they've got a little bit of mix and matching going on. And are we too, are we too purist <laughs> about our approach? Uh, maybe, maybe. I, I don't want to say yes, because I, I'm not sure I completely believe it myself. But there is, there is a feeling that I've got that we do need someone who is a slightly different to the rest of... Like, if you look at everyone that came on yesterday against Sheffield United, it was very similar. Mark Condes similar to Watkins uh, Canos came on and sort of slightly inferior version of Ben Rama but similar again we are kind of in, in the central of the midfield just McEachran I'm not sure who he replicates he's just his own sort of player now but we do need something there's someone that I yeah I'll just throw a name in here Christian Bielek at Charlton he's on loan from Arsenal oh, yeah. and I've, I've watched him a lot this year I've, I can't stop watching him I'm probably getting a bit obsessive actually He's, uh, he's about six foot three, six foot four. If you watch him on the ball, he's not the most beautiful on the ball, but he is, I mean, he's just a magnet. He can play centre-back, he can play deep, uh, deep in the midfield. He's not a lovely, he's not going to have the, the 80, 95% passing stats, but he's going to be about 79, 80, so he can do the basics and he can improve. And I just think he's in a way, he's a player that we kind of, he's a tool that we just don't have. And Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much he costs, I'm not sure what, whether he could be got or that sort of player but when when kind of things are going a bit rough for us and we, we know we're going to be good offensively and keep the ball and do that, that sort of thing it's just do we have that that other type of what type, so what I mean going, who is he like who is he reminiscent of uh, I'd say he I'm trying to think who he reminds me of now he's, um, he's from Poland he's I mean he's quite wide he, do you know what he reminds me of actually he's got this sort of physique a little bit similar than Belland but he's obviously much more mobile than Belland but he just seems like that sort of presence. Like he's he's very central. He's very tall and he's very solid. So maybe someone else have a look at him. I don't know if uh, any of the the DOFs are listening as well. But he is. I I feel like he's the kind of player we need. So when we are going away to these sort of tough northern games, not that we. I mean, we dominated the ball yesterday, but a Sheffield Wednesday, for instance, where just nothing. We we were just it, it, we look very weak. Do we have a player that can come in and actually give us something away from home to keep us in game so we aren't conceding two goals every time we go on the road? And and someone like a Bielek is uh, is someone that I think we need. So probably to answer your question, actually, yes, I think we probably are too, too sort of obsessed with the technical side. We, we maybe need to give up a bit of that technical side for someone who is a little bit more rugged 
and just give us something else in the middle when we when we really need it. Okay, okay. So listen, we've had a good conversation. We've talked about the two matches. Uh, Borough match, fantastic. Sheffield United match, must do better, as they say. Look, we've got a big match coming up on Saturday. We've got West Brom coming down. They've just won 3-0 tonight, and Swansea took an absolutely fantastic penalty. You even see it go onto YouTube or go onto whatever sites. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be viral by now. The Swansea penalty was absolutely brilliant, and uh, I wish they did that against us uh, a few weeks ago in the FA Cup, but they didn't. So there, there they go, and they've got to go out against Man City in the Cup this weekend after um, that penalty fluff of theirs but listen we've got West Brom coming down there West Brom very good on the attacking front defensively not so good so manager no manager at the helm at the moment now we're going to come back afterwards this little break and we're going to talk about West Brom so Saturday West Brom are coming down we normally have a five from the hive but of course West Brom playing at the moment now while they're playing they finished the game 3-0 they once as we said against Swansea really bad penalty so our West Brom correspondent is on the terrace at the moment now so no five in the hive delivered but we'll have another one next week or the week afterwards after the international break probably needed a bit of a break from the old five at the hive anyway so but we're going to talk about West Brom amongst ourselves because obviously they should be known as manager-less West Brom they sacked Darren Moore was about a week, a week and a bit ago, and there's a bit of a furore about Darren Moore getting sacked from West Brom. A lot of the West Brom fans that we know are chums, our buddies were very unhappy because as they felt, you know, Darren Moore came through the ranks, he hadn't been given enough time, he probably hadn't been given enough money as far as they were concerned. I mean, we'd love if he had the money, that, you know, we had the money that he had, but that's a different story. You know, they think he came come through the ranks and uh, he kept them up. Well, he didn't keep them up last season, but he was very close to keeping them up last season. And he'd he's got, what, five months, six months, of seven months of trying to turn things around in the championships, which is normally quite hard. To be fair, he was still in poor position. And they thought that wasn't good enough. I mean, not be funny, we've been in this, this division for long enough in lower divisions to see teams like Wolverhampton Wanderers come down and fluff it. Leeds United come down and fluff it. Blackburn Rovers come down and fluff it. Reading come down and fluff it. It's a hard division to get out of. So do you think there's a little bit of arrogance from West Brom to think that they can come straight in here and go straight up? Laney? So we've gone from five to five from the hive to for raw for the more. Yeah, that's right. Indeed, it was for all for them all. It's 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 quite it's quite bad. It, there has been for all for all for all a, however you want to pronounce it. That um, a, a team that in fourth place in the championship could sack their manager. Uh, however, I, I do say I, I I listened to Darren Moore speak after they lost four nil uh, at Leeds, and um, I just thought to myself. I'm just glad he's not our manager. He, he he just the way he spoke, the way he read the game. I didn't feel he was, uh, you know, he, he was a, a kind of a, um, one for the future. Let's put it that way. I think he did a brilliant job in in steadying the fort at, at the Hawthorns. I don't think he was probably the man to take them take them back up. Which is a, is a real shame because he's I know I know he's a West Brom man through and through and I uh, I've said this several times on this podcast where 
uh, um, uh, a coach from a, a youth team or a, an under 21s team or an under 23s team takes the top top position and it's an opportunity that they have to take but they forego a job for life and I think he probably's got a decent payout or a bit of a payout for for being sacked but he hasn't got his old job back and I think West Brom probably have lost a very good West Brom man because of this and I and I and I, I feel a little bit I don't I don't feel comfortable with the fact that sometimes um, a player or a coach takes takes a, takes an opportunity that they they have to take, but really they kind of like it's a poison chalice. He could do he could don't he couldn't do any right. He couldn't do any wrong. And I, and I think he probably would have been better off staying in the under twenty ones. I mean, XG Dave, you mm-hmm. feel that um, Darren Moore. I mean, like I said, the the the, the, Borough, the the West Brom fans weren't happy at all. But you actually feel that you know, <laughs> you actually wanted him to stay at West Brom, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I think uh, on Saturday, I think, yeah, I think we'd rather face a West uh, a more side than a side without more at the helm. Um, it's it is always tricky. It's you look at the lead table and you think he's fourth. I mean, he must be doing a brilliant job. But this is why we have things like XG, and this is why we sort of try and look at, at what's behind positions, what's behind the numbers. Uh, I'll try and I won't bore on too much. But yeah, I went a few weeks ago. I went to a really brilliant data talk by Omar Chowdhury. He's head of Pro, uh, he was head of data at Prozone, and um, had a really good question and answer session at the end. And someone asked him. So we we're talking about underlying performance, and someone said to him, "What would is there any cases, or what would happen if a manager was doing really, really well in sort of third or fourth position in the league, and underlying performance said they're really like the 17th or 18th best team? Would it? It would take a really brave board to say that hang on, this isn't good enough. It's unsustainable, and we're going to drop away here. Everything's telling us that this is a this is a worry. So would it take? A, it takes a really brave board to make that decision, and." It's yeah, it's harsh on more, um, but the trend is West Brom are going backwards, and they have been for a while. So, yeah, in, personally, I'm I'm gutted that he's gone in a purely personal decision. But it's obviously sad for him. You don't want to see managers go, but it's it's their club, and they've they've taken the decision to to let him go. And they have as well. And in, in his place, have got have got a, the caretaker manager, which is Jimmy Shan, who everyone was like, who the hell's Jimmy Shan? So we uh, tried to do a bit, a bit of a little, little bit of research on Jimmy to find out what the score is. And apparently, Jimmy's basically been in the Birmingham club scene for quite a while. And this, we're not talking about nightclubs now. You know what I'm saying? Imagine Jimmy's on top of the speakers every every Saturday night. <laughs> you not make shoes? <laughs> That's right. That's his mate, Jimmy Shoe. Yeah. Now, um, so Jimmy started off at Birmingham City. Um, I think it was probably about sort of, I don't know mid. Mid noughties, I think it was, and he started off Birmingham City coaching the under sevens at Birmingham, and he worked his way up at Birmingham to the academy, and then eventually he got poached by West Brom, and then he started, at, you know, at a sort of kind of coaching very young um, kids at the West Brom Academy, starting at a lower level, then going up higher and higher, and then coaching the under 18s and under 21s and the under 23s, and then you know now eventually he's in this position. So he's got a quite a, a long history in coaching players, coaching young players, 
He, he took him over a coaching session the other day, and the players were very happy with it, apparently. So uh, Jimmy Shan's in place. So maybe Jimmy Shan, you know, there's two ways it can go. Either Jimmy Shan's got a lot of really great ideas. He might bring in a couple of the young players who he thinks are actually uh, really good and cause, cause some problems. Or, or maybe Jimmy Shan might find himself... Uh, a bit, in, a bit in quicksand or in the deep end when he comes out to Griffin Park. I mean, I was a little bit worried when he obviously he won on well what, tonight three nil against Swansea. But then we also have to remember that Swansea do have their eye on Man City, the FA Cup game on Saturday. So whether or not they put a full side, whether or not they're really competing, you know, the way that they missed that penalty today, I don't think they they definitely didn't have the eye on the ball. That's all I can say. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, no, so Jimmy Shan's coming down there with the West Brom side. Now, looking at West Brom, I mean, how are Brentford going to beat West Brom? Um, let me just throw a few little sort of kind of, not statistics, but little kind of um, 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 vibes of our West Brom go. They're brilliant at finishing scoring chances. They're brilliant at counter-attacking. They're brilliant at attacking down the wings. Um, they're very good at coming back from losing positions, creating scoring chances and shooting from direct free kicks. But on the flip side of that, they make lots of errors. They are not very good at defending counter-attacks. They're not very good at stopping opponents from creating chances. And they're really, really bad at long shots against them, which is quite interesting. So, possession football team, they attack down um, Dalsgaard's side. Um, they like the short passes. I mean, if you ever look at their stats, they're always like 650, 700 passes per game. And they like playing in their own half, which would be great if they could play in their own half. And actually never, never came out of their own half because they would never score. So uh, that's kind of where West Brom are. Um, Dave, how are we going to combat this? Oh, God knows. <laughs> no, no. We, I think um, this is the last one of our really old... We talked about earlier that three, these three matches of the three, like three and six oldest teams of the division. Tough, attritional matches where, yeah, they take lots out of you. I think... We can't, yeah, we can't obviously let them get, we can't let them get the ball to sort of get in dangerous areas. He's a key, he's a key man for them. Whether he'll be on the wing or whether he'll be central, that's something that more, yeah, a lot of people think more got wrong there. Gale's been sort of forced out wide. We, yeah, we don't really want him central and running off us. He's hurt, I think I remember him doing some damage against us with Newcastle back in the day. He's, um, he's a really good player. So let's hope they do keep him out on the wing and, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. We we need again. We, I probably said it against uh, against Sheffield United. We can't let them dictate play. We should we should have more mobility in the middle of the park than these guys. They're a little bit older, but um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of confident we can do this. We're we're better at home. We've shown we're so much better at home. Uh, ben, hopefully, Ben Rama has his shooting boots back on, and we can get at those centre backs because they are a little bit creaky back there. They're not they're not as flexible as they as they should be. Okay, that's, that's, that's cool. I mean, Laney, West Brom, they've scored. Ooh, I mean, not be funny, mate. They score goals. They're the second. Are they the second highest goal scorers in the division? They've scored seventy-five goals, I think, if I'm right. They seventy-one goals actually. Norwich are top with seventy-five. So the second highest goal scorers in the division with seventy-one goals. Saying that, they um, just to give a comparison, Brentford have scored sixty goals. We're we're in the top six. I remember rightly, Aston Villa above us and um, Sheffield United above us, Leeds are above us, Norwich are above us, um, West Brom are above us. But other than that, you know, they've also let in 
48 goals. And again, if you want to give a comparison, we've let in 49. So they're quite similar to us at the back, a little bit creaky at the back, but they do score goals. So it seems that, you know, what we need to do on Saturday is to stop them from scoring, which, you know, we, we seem to be all right at the time, but sometimes, you know, we're a little bit dodgy, you know, every now and again, but we need to stop them from scoring goals and we need to do our usual thing and be banging in the back of the net. So looking at that, just the straightforward old school stats of for and against, it looks like it's a game that is winnable, Laney. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a game that is winnable. Um, however, you know, West Brom are... Like a, they're a, they're a wolf in sheep's clothing, really. You know, they 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 probably underperformed over the course of the season so far. They've got Premiership quality players, but they're kind of wearing a Championship cloak at the moment. You know, Dwight Gale, he's he's probably too good to be in this division, but not quite good enough to be in the one above. So they they're caught in this like no man's land of of. <laughs> quality they're paying a lot of money for their players the, the the players have got experience they've got bags of potential but they're kind of like a bit of yesterday's men as well so you know you're never quite sure what you're going to get with West Brom and especially this season I, I, I think it's going to be close you know because they, they are they are definitely someone that we need to be wary of we are going to create chances. We will take chances, but you know they've got enough about them to to hurt us. So I'm, I'm, you know, we've done seven straight wins on the trot. That's not going to last forever. I'm thinking this one's going to be a draw. It's going to be a draw, according to the Laney. And listen, Gaz, listen, uh, our home form is really key. Is this is this the, is this what's going to be taking us to another level in this game? I think it will. As I said, there has been, a, as it says, been a massive difference between our the way we played away and the way we played home. Seven wins on the trot says, you know, says it all. Um, I, I do worry that they're a team that do score a lot of goals, and where we we have a habit of giving goals away easily. So that doesn't bode too well for me. But as he said, they can see about the same goal. I can see it being a scoring draw. Um, I think we will score. I'm pretty sure we will score. Um, I'm fairly sure that they're going to score at some point. It may end up just being a game where we have to try and outscore them. It may end up being a, you know, a 3-2 win or something like that for Brentford. Or it'll end up being something like a 2-2 draw. It's, it's going to be around there. I definitely think it's going to be more than um, three goals or more in this game is where you need to put your money. Okay, so... You you you're going for a three two as it is. Laney's going for a one all, and two, two. a two two. Ah, oh, Desmond two two. Okay, and and myself, um, I'm going to squeeze it and I'll go for two one, just because uh, I still think they're in a state of flux, and I don't know what an effect this new coach will have on them. I'm trying to I'm trying to believe that this three nil today was a definite Swanseaism, and they're all I was definitely off the ball, and I think you know we're going to be back 
rejuvenated. They're going to have a little bit of kip. They obviously didn't have any kip before the Sheffield United game after the train delays up at, up at Middlesbrough. And they've had plenty of time to get kip between now and then. And they're going to be absolutely potty for it and rejuvenated. So I'm going to go 2-1 to the mighty bees. And uh, all of a sudden, everyone's going to start getting excited about playoffs again, which is really bad because we need to just park that aside and take each <laughs> game as it comes. But anyway, so listen, this has been the besotted... Pride of West London podcast. We'll be coming from the virtual bar here. I'm sitting there with my pint, and um, it's been very nice actually just sitting there and supping my pint here with my chums, my buddies around the virtual table. I've got Laney here, I've got Gaz here, and I've got XG Dave. And we've uh, enjoyed discussing the Borough game. We haven't enjoyed so much discussing the Sheffield United game, but that's how it goes with football. Saturday, we've got West Brom coming down. First time they've been down to Griffin Park since, I don't know, the mid noughties, I think maybe it was even before then. I remember that when we uh, our, our West Brom chums came down and we had a right good chuckle. So hopefully we'll be able to take three points off them. We'll go into the international break. I'm going away to get a bit of, get a bit of sunshine for a, for a week or so. And then I'll be back with all the rest of us lot going into the back half of the season where we can be waiting for Leeds United to come down because uh, they're champions of Europe. But let's look forward to the West Brom game on Saturday. I've got my buddies around as we all say, come on. Come on. Yeah, come on you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.